Welcome to the Perceptions Today podcast where we discuss consciousness in all forms. February 2022, episode 12, Myron Dahl joins us for Guided by Intuition, Roundtable Part 1 of 4. Myron is a mystic, artist, musician and has visions connected to TLE. It's an honor to be here. Yes, I'm called Shadow Fox and I am an artisan of the spirit. Um, Basically, I mean, many of the experiences that... um, uh, we share very similar uh, across the board, even the people that came before me and just spoke. This is an instance of the conversation coming up in the roundtable discussion. Participants knew it was being recorded. Welcome to Perceptions Today. It happens to be the 18th of January 2022. And with great pleasure, I would obviously like to introduce that Marindal is here. If you have read his bio, he goes and says that he is a mystic obviously a musician and also an author, artist, and sculptor. What you also find is later on, he will give himself a quick introduction, and then we will be talking about Guided by Intuition. I'd also just like to do a standard public service announcement that tomorrow on the 19th of January, we've got Cosmic Librarian, who happens to be in the room, as Darlene will be talking about time and how it's affected her, and we can all talk about that. Then on the 25th, of January. Mike Ferrito is also in the room who will be talking about experiences and also these two events will be on Zoom. Also on the 8th of February is Krista DeMaio will be talking about good old lucid dreaming but we'll be on Twitter space for that one and another live event. What we've also going along with that with this room the guidelines are basically let's be civil with everyone and keep on topic. And if you have any technical issues, just put them down in the chat and hopefully I will spot them. If we can all keep on mute when people are talking, raise hands just so that we don't ever talk people. I'll make a note of who's put their hand up where and when and get the people in order. Also, if you look at the bottom of if you're using a laptop or other screen, you might see the reaction button. And what I would like to use the reaction button for is the waving hand, we can just say hello to people. Thumbs up is for agreement. Laughing face is obviously when the wheels on the bus come off like we've had for the last hour. Surprised (laughs) face. Now, I was going to use that a lot, but uh, I was just going to say you can't speak at the moment. Heart, we use as love it. Confetti, I'm going to say wow. And if you raise your hand, you want to talk. So on the basis of those things, I would, again, really just like to say what a great pleasure it is to have Marindal here. And if you'd like to introduce yourself. Okay, um, <clears throat> my name is Myron Dial, as we all know. If you'd like a short history, I'll give you a short history of, of uh, why I am the way I am. And <clears throat> it's pretty relevant to uh, the entire Gesellschaft of my experiences. First of all, um, when I was four years old, I went into a coma. And uh, this is 1948, so they, don't, they didn't know why I went into a coma, but I was in it for... Oh, two and a half, three months, something like that. And um, the records are destroyed, so I I don't have the exact amount, but I know it was quite a long time. And when I came out of the coma, everything was wiped out. I didn't know my parents. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything. The only thing that penetrated the coma was music. And I'm a musician now and and an artist and, and an author, actually. But the fact is that music... Is at a different part of the brain than where my damage is. So anyway, when I came out of the coma, the only thing that was in the room were all the nurses and, and doctors were all around me since I was coming uh, to consciousness, was a being standing in the corner. Now that being I called uh, Charon. And uh, Charon, that name came years and years later when I was a child. It was just a friend of mine. It's just my friend. And uh, Karen came to me immediately and, and said that I will, I'm here to take care of you. And she, he, and it did. It comes in three forms. Uh, it can be a he, it can be a she, and it can be an it, just a, just a ethereal being. Well, anyway, um, to make a long story very, very precise, I was abused terribly by my parents because they thought I was demon-possessed. And um, Karen used to take care of me during those 
those beatings with my father and mother and take me away to another place that he called Selcom. Again, that was later on, he would call it Selcom. We would go to this other place and then when they were done beating, he would bring me back. So I went out of body, you could say, uh, to not feel the pain. And sometimes it was so bad that I had to wipe the blood off my legs um, and crawl into the bathroom and, and clean it. And then I would have a seizure probably within a, a few minutes uh, even though this was supposed to be uh, part of the exorcism, it didn't work. So I started hiding all of my, uh, my seizures by going into bathrooms or going into closets and having the seizure and, uh, and then changing my clothes if, if uh, I lost control or whatever. But Karen and I became one thing. Now, Carl Jung talks about the companion uh, and he he explains it as, you know, the ego that is damaged that needs a companion of itself. So it's really me projected out in a very strong form. That's one explanation. That's not my explanation. That's Jung's explanation. My explanation is that this is a real being and it is, it's me and not me. It's... Uh, Anthony Peake would call it my Damien, but um, it's much more than, than that. It's, it, 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 it's like the two of us are one thing. Well, anyway, so I spent my youth uh, with Caron uh, going to various places and, and, and experiencing transpersonal, you know, visits to other worlds. And, and I had uh, hallucinations constantly because the damage to my brain is in the hippocampus and in the visual memory part of the hippocampus. So if you want to take it from science, the science is saying that I'm having all of these hallucinations because of the scar tissue that's in my hippocampus. I don't think that that's the case. I think the, uh, the case is that I have these hallucinations because I opened my mind uh, and allowed into that mind another being, which was also me. Uh, and because I opened my mind, it gave me a portal to go to other dimensions, other places uh, in, in the universe. Because um, when I asked the doctors, how is it possible that I could have a seizure that only can, I only can last one or two minutes? If it goes more than five minutes, you're dead. So, but I have altered states of consciousness for sometimes eight to 10 hours where I'm completely in another world for that length of time. Now, no one has been ever able to explain how that happens, why it happens. I was on the board of directors of the Epilepsy Foundation here in New York. And so I met the best neurologists in the world and not one of them had a cogent uh, that definition of how it is that, that I could be out that long. Now, that's not the seizure. This is post-ectal. This is after the event that I go into these altered states. Okay. So I go into altered states, and for years, I was using music as a, a catalyst to help me get through my emotional turmoil. And then um, I was hurt in the military, and I had to change from music to art. Now, I wasn't an artist, but I began to draw, and now I have 7,000 drawings, paintings, sculptures. I've shown all over the world, um, and uh, it's, I, think, I think the reason that, that it touched so many people is that nobody has ever seen anything that looks like my art. And, uh, and I just finished a film about this process that will be, I think it's, I think it's going to be released in February, it's won like four um, film festivals. Uh, and it's about this whole process. And it's and we showed it at the Epilepsy Foundation uh, not very long ago. Anyway, the point of it is that this art, the art that, that I have, and the art that I see is, is real to me. It's visionary, it's me, it's real, it's three-dimensional. It talks to me, I interface with it, and then I make a record of it. I used to make little drawings of it, then I made better drawings, and then I made better drawings, and then I went to color, and then 
Um, and then I got better and better at it. And then I decided to make them in three dimensions, in other words, sculptures. And that way I could actually interface with the, uh, with the sculpture and with the being that came from the other dimension. Now, uh, if you look on my Facebook, uh, what you see on my Facebook is really my journal. I decided to post everything on Facebook, uh, every event, every hallucination, almost everything is on Facebook because Karen, my, my spirit guide, told me to go public with all of this information. Now, when I went public back in 2004, that was the end of my career. I was an executive in a telecommunications company. And when they found out that I had epilepsy and that I had visions and I was an artist, my partners and I, uh, we had a divorce. And uh, that was the end of that career and the beginning of my art career. And then also it was the beginning of going around and talking about epilepsy and about, um, and about experiences that people have and what kind of experiences people have if they have temporal lobe epilepsy, specifically temporal lobe epilepsy, uh, because it produces images. And um, so does migraine, but, uh, and I have optical migraine as well, but the images that I sit an, an example, I'll give you one example of a, of a benign uh, uh, hallucination. I'm sitting in my living room and all of a sudden the room is gone and in its place is a tree and mountains or maybe I'm seeing my piano which is in another house or maybe the rooms are switched. It all gets mixed up and then in the middle of it all comes Charon or other spiritual beings to teach me and get me on the road, uh, as Joseph Campbell says, the pollen path, and to my wholeness, because that's the whole point of this journey. Now, there's, there's another whole part of this that I'm not sure I want to talk about right now, depending on what people ask, but, um, and it's, it's very important, but I, I don't know whether I should go into it at this particular point. Um, but that's basically the introduction to 70, 74 years of experiences, um, real or imagined, fantasy or reality, doesn't matter. I don't care what words you use. I'm not a scientist. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm experiencing what the universe brings to me in the form of these mystical experiences and then making a record of them. And I use art for that, kind of like Indians use sand paintings. Um, I use art to record everything that, that takes place. So I don't leave anything out. And I've gone totally public with every part of this. So there's nothing to hide. And, and uh, there are some new developments that I have to talk about later, maybe. But that's that's the basis of my experiences. They come when they come, like a thief in the night, it says in the Bible. Um, I was going to be a minister. I was, I was actually in seminary um, when I, I realized that Christianity just wasn't going to work. It was too narrow. And the brain, my brain is expanded now to so many worlds that there's no way that I could limit it to one book, one idea, one philosophy, one way, or anything like that. So what I'm trying to do is to follow my bliss, as Joseph Campbell would say, and go where Charon leads me. And wherever Charon tells me to go or do, I do it. And uh, that can be scary, painful, wonderful, magic, whatever you, whatever adjective you want to use. Um, and the ego, of course, has to be subjugated to the eternal experiences like any shamanistic experience. So what I try to do is get my ego out of the way and do what Karan tells me to do, um, regardless of the consequence, like 
writing a book and putting that book online and letting everybody know exactly what my history is and then writing and then doing these drawings and paintings and putting them online and letting everybody see exactly what I see uh, without, without any kind of, of, of uh, oh, any kind of correct, correctness. In other words, I'm not correcting what I see. I just, I just paint it and then I put it up. And then I put a little story that goes with it so people know what it is that they're looking at. And then I take that, and then I take all of that, I get prints of it, and I put them in books. So I've got I've got over a, oh, about 150 new digital paintings that I took. I mean a thousand fifty paintings that I have that uh, are on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. So uh, that's kind of the introduction to uh, the life of the mystic. Um, as they say, you know, shamans are not, are not uh, made, they're born. So obviously the universe decided to change my consciousness at four. And ever since then, I have been living this new consciousness, which has been dark, difficult, scary, wonderful, magical, you name it. Uh, whatever the eagle can handle, the eagle can handle. And sometimes the eagle can't handle everything. And then I had to deal with my parents, which were very abusive. It was, it, today, they never could have gotten away with what they got away with back in the 1940s and 50s. There's just no way. Because a nurse used to come and, and fix me up every once in a while. She would have reported that immediately, all the abuse that I went through when I was young. So that's kind of the introduction to, well, that's a quick introduction to, and succinct uh, introduction to my, who I am and why I am the way I am. Um, everybody has their theories about it and I have mine, but I'll leave it at that for now. If somebody has a question or anybody wants to ask a question, I'll be perfectly willing to answer whatever questions anyone has to ask. So I'll turn that back over to Paul. Thank you very much for bringing up all the information. I think it might be worthwhile, and I'm just going to check with the community that in here that actually know me. I'm going to mention to yourself, Myron, the people that are in the room who have got a really good reason for you to connect with and also whether they be researchers uh, podcasters just so you got an idea you've probably heard a few of them when you were listening in with anthony peak's conversation but i'll just go through the list the people that i don't know i'm gonna have to get to know you more so that i can actually include you in the list at that point unfortunately so going from my list that I can see. Ian Hawkins is a regular in the Twitter account, a researcher of consciousness. Wild Eyes, who, again, I'm going to ask you to come off mute and just introduce yourself if you want in a 30-second kind of public service announcement burst. Hi, I'm Wild Eyes. Hi, How Wild Eyes. You? I'm uh, actually fair. <laughs> okay. Well, that's well, great. I had a seizure this week, so it's it's been a particularly hard week. I'm sorry to hear that. But you sound wonderful, though. You sound in, in good spirits, and I guess that's what really counts. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. That's due to Caron, actually. Caron. Um, it's interesting. Um, um, I'm a psychic medium, intuitive. I don't know. People have different ideas of, of what to call Um so I understand, and I'm also a little bit of an artist and musician. I've dabbled in those areas as well. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so I can relate to a lot of what you're seeing. Um, I just want to say it's really great to be here, and I'm, I'm really psyched to hear a lot more. And I think, thank you for taking the, the, you know, the time to share this. I mean, it's, it's quite, it sounds like quite a journey. And, uh, uh, yeah, to say the least. Right. So that's my little intro for now. Um, well, it's great meeting you and, and uh, 
if you want to connect up, why don't you just send me a, a request on Facebook and I'd be glad to, you know, to, so we can talk and stuff. Okay, that sounds good. Thank you. I would love, I would love it. I'm going to go down the people. You okay now, Wild Eyes? I'm fine. Thank you. Right, I'll move on to Cosmic Librarian. Now, Cosmic Librarian, again, will introduce herself because I know that she is wanting to. I love the name. I love that Thank name. Cosmic Librarian. That is really great. Yeah, I'm kind of an information person. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, first of all, I want to tell you that uh, I've been looking at your work and it's fantastic by the way it and it affects me on many levels um you know i'm i'm i have a z in questions but i'll i'll defer to other people at this point but it, it it's just beautiful and uh i i'm really curious about you now in ways that go deep like where these things come from um so i will leave all those questions till we get everybody introduced and okay. we'll get back with you later Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Excellent. Eileen, do you fancy stepping up? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Hello, Hello Myra. Mary. Hello, Eileen. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's really nice to meet you. I'm just sitting here listening to you going, wait, who's talking? Is it me talking or is it Myron talking? I, I, there's no... <laughs> so many similarities in our lives and what we've experienced, but just in slightly different ways, right? It's, uh, I didn't have the same patterns, um, the same exact circumstances, I should say, but um, being born very different. I started to read your, your book online and, and I, looked at your artwork and and I just know you um, through your art. Um, there's so much to be said here and I'm just really appreciative that you got the message too. I think we got the message right around the same time uh, to be completely open and honest about everything. And also just looking back over my life and noticing I've documented everything. And mm -hmm. that was always coming from that inner guidance, you know, that, that, you know, it's not like you actually hear, okay, make sure you document everything. It's that you just, <laughs> it's just that you end up doing it and being it. And then you look back and go, look at, I've been documenting all of this and I knew it was important. Right. Um, so the other, I'll just plant the seed here as, as I, um, you know, celebrate you and, and your presence here with us. Um, what the, I, I've brought through hundreds of messages um, that are musical to me and I translate them. Um, and what it said, what it said about all of, uh, all of us here now um, who, who arrived here with this kind of intention um when we meet each other it just it, it showed me several different ways when we start meeting each other the power of that the igniting of this um just rapidly accelerates yes uh, everything right yes yes it, it's like it's like it's the I guess I won't elaborate anymore. I don't want to ruin it. It's just, <laughs> it's just that I'm starting to watch this happen. And it's, it's absolutely stunning, breathtaking. And I'm just uh, in great delight uh, to be not only with here with you and talking with you, but everyone else who is here and present with us, because this is an extraordinary time. And, and uh, some of us in the, in the geriatric um, category. <laughs> I have I have a great respect and honoring for you because this has been a a very difficult life, very yes. difficult. So um, I just want to say I see you, all of you. I see you, and and I witness that, and I appreciate that. 
thank you for being here and for surviving uh, yeah. until time. So, yay. <laughs> Actually, I barely survived. There was a couple of times where I was going to take my life. There's no question about it. Oh, me too, Myron. And That's part of my story. That's when yeah. Kundalini happened. Exactly. You know, when I commit suicide. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I put a gun to I put a gun to my head, and it's in this film that I made. Wow! And, uh, I put a gun to my head, and Caron said, "Don't do it." Yeah. And <laughs> um, and then that you know, it's really interesting when when Caron in, intervenes. Everything that happens, it's like it's been pre-planned or yeah. pre-ordained in some yes. way. Like yeah. for instance. I put the gun down because I always do what Karen tells me to do, even if I don't like it. I understand. So I put put the gun down and she said, make a phone call, call your minister friend. I won't use his name. Call your, your minister friend. And it was a Monday evening. Now, if you know anything about ministers, they don't work on Monday because they work on Sunday. So the chances of him answering his phone in his office were 10, you know, slim and none. So I went, I went, Caron, he's not going to, she said, call your friend, call him. So I picked up yeah. the phone, called him, and he answered. The only reason he answered was he was taking some children home from an event, and he had to go to his office to get a piece of paper right at that moment. So he went into the office, and, he, and the phone was ringing, and he picked it up. Otherwise, he would not have been there. And I talked to him and he said, Myron, come to the church. I'll leave the back door open, go through the, go to the back door and then play the piano until I get back. And that ended that particular intervention. Another time I was walking to school, not paying too much attention to what I was doing. This was junior high school. And um, the light turned green. So I decided to step off the uh the curb and something pulled me back. And just as, just as I was pulled back, a car turned right, right around and went, it would have killed me. If I had stepped off that curb, that car would have run me down. So I turned around to thank whoever it was who pulled me back and there was nobody there. So Caron has saved my life innumerable times, uh, even from my own self destruction which is uh, considerable. And then on top of that, things like that, that, uh, that, that, that she has intervened in. And that includes the military, because I was in the military. And I really don't want to go into that. But wow. the, fact, the fact of it is, is that um, the, these events, these events that when Caron tells me to do something, whatever it is, I do it. And somehow, Caron knows the future. Now, that's a big debate, and I'm not going to get into that. But somehow, Caron knows what's going to happen before it happens, because even in the most benign things, like, for instance, I got a, I got a, um, uh, a request to renew my driver's license. for, and, and it said, you have to do all these things. You have to take the eye exam. You have to... You have to take the written exam, you have to take the driver's test, and you have to get your picture taken. And I went, oh, God, I got to go through all that stuff. And Caron said, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> now, this is the DMV we're talking about, okay? <laughs> and, and I said, well, what do you mean? No, it says right here on the form, I've got to do all these things. And she said, no, you don't. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare, and I'll study the book, and you know, I'm trying to remember what I've forgotten all these years. So I went to I went to the DMV. I walked up to the lady, and I said, "Here I am. Here's my car." And she, I gave her the thing that I got in the mail, and she said, "Well, go and have your picture taken." So I did that, and she said, "Read the eye chart." I did that, and she said, "Okay, you're done." So I didn't have to take the driver's test. I didn't have to take I didn't have to take the written test. It's right there on the form. <laughs> now, how it. in the how in the hell? pardon my French, how did Caron know that? So in some way, the future must already exist somehow. Now, I don't want to get into that discussion because that's a big, big topic. 
Another yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Another. I just wanted you to point. I wanted to point out that even in the most banal parts of my life, Karen is always there. Yes. Always yeah. protecting. Always yeah. loving. No matter what I do. When I used to do really stupid, dumb things, I'm sure everybody does, but I've done some really dumb things, and um, I would, and so I would go to the mountain to meditate, and here comes Karen, and, and I would start to apologize for doing these things, and all she'd say is, "We're not going to, we're not going to deal with that. We have things to do today. Yeah, let's let's get to it. In other words, those things don't matter. They don't matter. There's no judgment." It's Absolutely. just, okay, okay, you're done with that. All right, let's do this now. We're, we're going to shift over here now. That's, yeah? exact, that's exactly yeah. right. Right. No judgment at all. And it was preparation for 40 or 50 years later when I was going to have to forgive my parents for what they uh, did and everyone else, including the military, for what they did. And yeah. I would, believe me, it took me 50 years to get to a place where I could actually do that. But but these preparations, you know, Americans want everything yesterday. You know, they want enlightenment yesterday. They want to take DMT and, and be enlightened. Well, that's yep. not how it works. Nope. It takes a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication to yep. get to, to get to the place where you trust in this this other world, this other this other being, and to do what they say. And of course, most people aren't going to do that because they would rather play golf or watch football or whatever. But uh, and I worked. I was a, I was an executive for forty years in a telecommunications company. So I was working seventy hours a week. Yeah, similar you know. stuff here. Similar, so, so much so, similar here, Myron. I just wanted to say that and just celebrate you. I, I celebrate you, and I'm thankful for you, your life, for being here on thank the planet. You so much. Now, thank you. Thank you so much, Elaine, and you too. All of us, all of us. Any of us that are that travel, you know that 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 path, that pollen path, as as Campbell says. You know that the Indians that the Indians go on. You know that path. That road just keeps going; it never stops. This is going to be strange for you, Myron. Go ahead. In so many ways, I mean. The community that has been built up over since the end of September have started to see connections because obviously we're all coming together and seeing people. And the next person I'd like you to talk to is Shadow Fox. Well, Shadow Fox, I'd like you to introduce yourself, probably the best way around. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Myron. Oh, it's, Hi, an honor. it's an honor to be here. Yes, I'm called Shadow Fox and I am an artisan of the spirit. Great. Um, Basically, I mean, many of the experiences that um, uh, we share, very similar uh, across the board, even the people that came before me and just spoke. Um, basically, what I do is uh, I bring awareness to uh, the governances of laws, cosmic and universal laws, and I share the nuances because they influence us every day. And there is um, a great awareness, uh, especially um, when our perceptions and our um, conscious awareness uh, kind of dives into the other realms, uh, the different octaves uh, that I like to call them, because um, people have asked, well, how long have you been doing this? Um, I say from the moment I drew breath. Because I've also, I have had, um, it was not in a coma, but um, I've had two uh, near-death experiences. So the point being is that I had these abilities before I had those at at three and six. Um, I, I spoke to angels. I talked to them. The only difference is after the second one, when I was six, I just saw everything as energy. Um, angels didn't have wings anymore. Uh, the pearlescence, the, it was just pure energy. And that's how I see the world even now. And so I would just like to say, I, I'm, it's a great honor to be able to, to meet you. And, um, 
I guess we're all fellow travelers and we're just really just trying to um, share what our experiences are and to help those that if they haven't experienced it, there's, there's a direction for us, you know, for them. So it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an honor to be here and an honor to, um, to, uh, to listen to all of you. Thank you so very, very much, Myron. Thank you, thank you for being here. And we definitely have many, many uh, experiences the same. Well, you know that even in the Bible, it says many are called, but few are chosen. And it's a kind of strange quote. Uh, and that's actually what it says in, in, uh, in, in the Greek. And um, I, I wondered about that, you know, and because, you know, I worked with, I worked with pretty straight folks for 40 years and all my, all of my managers and, and uh, the other VPs and all the rest of it, you know, they were all just pretty straight guys that, and women that just played golf and had, had a good life and, you know, had their affairs and played their games, you know, and, and uh, when, when I went home, I would, I would work on art. And when I went on vacation, I would work on art. I would, you know, I, sometimes I would go to the mountain. Uh, there's, a, there's a mountain right close to me here and I walk to it and I spend hours, hours sitting mm -hmm. in nature because there's something mm -hmm. about, something yep. about cutting yourself off from the natural world that, that has really hurt the human consciousness deeply. You know, we start thinking in terms of four walls and a floor when, when it's, it's infinity that we should be thinking about. And um, but the things that, that, that have happened on that mountain, which I don't have time to go through today, but the, the, the amazing events on that mountain and even interaction with animals, the animals on the mountain, which are supposed to be mountain lions, bears, foxes, are supposed to be predators. I've never had a problem with any of them. Mm -hmm. And they have been 15 feet away from me. They come and they look at me and they just kind of go, nah, I don't think this guy's going to taste very good. And they walk away. And, um, and, that's, and that's like at 12 o'clock at night. So, um, so there, there's a kind of strange energy around people that open themselves up to it. And once you open yourself to it, now the, the trick is once you've opened it, you can't close it. That's the that's the mm -hmm. that's the part that people don't quite get, and then they get confused because they've opened the portal but they can't close it, so they can't go back to what they what they were before. There's no going back once once you cross a certain threshold. There's no going back. You've got to go forward or stand still. One of the two. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I I was thinking about um, how you have that ability to um in your artwork okay because for the colors and the energy of the colors it's like the colors are alive over there i mean here you can have a you know beautiful scenes in nature i'm not discounting it but over there it's like the color is alive and um i'm an artist but i mean it's not i've never really dug into it simply because for what I see, I cannot duplicate it here. And there was a frustration even when I was younger. So what I did is I um, worked with my, my guides and um, I was a new guide had come in to teach the, this uh, theory to me. And the only thing I can call it is angel light therapy because um I like, I like that i like that yeah and it's yeah and i've been working with that for probably about mm, 25 maybe 30 years and it's just um it's a healing modality um but it's fantastic and it's beautiful and um but there i can harness and recognize that color that that um 
It's alive energy. Oh, and, no, no question about the color. Yeah, and, and that's where it's kind of like, you know, were you able to bring that forward um, and show people? Um, I That was a frustration for me. So I had to utilize where my gifts were. So I work with the light and my husband works with sound. Oh, okay. Well, you know that, that color uh, color is associated with pitch. Mm-hmm. Red with with be flat or something like that. That they are associated with esoterically. They're they're associated with pitch, but uh, with me, you'll see a lot of blue in my paintings because that's how that's how the energy comes to me out of a blue mm-hmm. light. It comes from a blue light, and then after the blue light fades, it it goes into all the colors that you see on those paintings. So I see those colors, and I was always driven to match those colors uh, on canvas. And um, by seeing them in a, in a vision, it made it easier for me to reproduce them, because all I had to do was just keep copying until I got it right. And so I kind of self-taught myself how to get to the color spectrum that I wanted that would represent the vision because that was the only goal I had. And, um, um, but the colors themselves, just red, just blue, just certain colors speak to me in a very unique kind of way. And they have pitch with them. They have mm-hmm. sound. I have to, the vibration of the color has sound and pitch. And I can actually hum it and I do it. I do kind of hum it in my meditation. And uh, because that vibration is real, okay, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing, the whole universe vibrates, okay, and most people ignore that vibration, but I think that vibration creates everything, including reality, it's certainly in my brain it does. Now, I don't, I can't I just have to pitch in on this point, because recently I've come across a woman who is investigating what she calls the hum. She's going ah, around the world to yes. certain yep. locations yes. yep. and her name's Becky. Now, again, without going into too much detail, if I've got ear filters in to remove sound, my body picks up sound, which other people can't hear. And that led me by synchronicity into a talk that she was an attendee for online. And that was bizarre to suddenly come across that and again, we're talking about like the music of the spheres and obviously the universal kind of sounds as well. So at some point, that'd be a fantastic conversation to get into talking about yeah, vibration it, and sound. Yes, it really would. Because, you know, like he like like um, I was saying, he really brings that color in. There's tonal qualities, there's pitches, there's everything. And guess what? So is speech. So yes. are words. They yes. hold vibration. And this is this is what I wrote about. So this is one of the things like what words are we choosing? What do they really mean? How does it register in the etheric? What does it mean? It's kind of, you know, it's like um, what we think our human logic is not necessarily the logic that the universe vibrates at. And we always trying to make it, you know, make it work for us by doing it our way instead of stepping back and listening to nature. Um, like you were saying, being out in the, you know, that's being out in nature. Uh, everything I learned, I learned through nature. Well, you know, if you think about it, we come from savannas in Africa. Okay. Now, if you're out, if you're outside all the time, 24 seven, every perception like how the wind changes how it smells what kind of what kind of feelings intuitions do you have about i think i'm being tracked that kind of intuition those things have been have been negated by civilization i think we have shrunk our perceptions not expanded them because when we were living, if you live in, in the wilds and you, or in, 
I hate to, hate to bring this up, if, but if you live in the wilds or in combat or something, and you're not aware all the time, you can be very dead. And you notice that animals, if they're just laying around, they'll pick up something just like that, just like that. And I think we had that, we had that same ability on those savannas that we could pick up just off the wind. We can, you know, there, there were trackers who could tell you who passed by, when they passed by, how big they were, what they looked like virtually. So maybe those images, if we, if we have DMT in our brain, like they claim we do, maybe that DMT is, a, is an amalgamation of all of those intuitive things that we used to have. So we see this other thing and it's, it's from those same senses that we had 10,000 years ago or 50,000 years ago or 250,000 years ago. And we lost, we, we kind of lost who we were and we've become, you know, kind of uh, city dwellers and, and with the propaganda that goes on 24 seven, it's, it's amazing to me that anyone can stand up against all that bad data. Um, and the only way to do it that I know of is to meditate and spend a lot of time uh, isolated. And uh, I can see why monks do what they do. Uh, I was in China uh, a few years ago, and I went to this the uh, Tibetan temple that the Chinese allowed to remain. They didn't tear it down. And I went through the seven the seven houses of the whole the process of their transformation that the Tibetans go through. And they spend enormous amounts of time meditating and and singing. And I was thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I used to sing all the time. Now and I still do. And sometimes I sing in my head without verbal, and sometimes I sing with the verbal part. Sometimes I just hum and the vibration of that sound opens a doorway and then I just walk through it. I think they do that too. I think that's what those monks are doing. I think that they're, they're humming their way through a portal into another reality and bam, they're in it. And when they're in it, they're not coming out of it. That's for sure until they're done with whatever it is that they've got to do. And I just watched them because they look exactly the way they looked 5,000 years ago. They don't, they haven't changed. Some of the, some of the, the structures in the, in the buildings are 700 years old and they're 25 feet high, and 40 feet around or 30 feet around their sculptures. The power of that kind of energy, that kind of focus, I guess is a better way to say it. I think that when you focus, what you focus on is like the Bible says, what a person is, is what they are. You know, what you think is what you are. So, um, if you if you focus your energy towards the unknown, the unknown will become known to you. People are always asking me, "Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? How can you get? How can you get these experiences?" You have to allow them to come to you. You don't go to them; they come to you, and then you have to be aware to let them in. But most people block them with fear and all kind and distractions and whatever. So I I think I think that quiet plus sound, just humming, plus color, plus just opening your brain, expanding your brain, not contracting it, but expanding your brain to include whatever comes your direction, and then embracing it. And not being afraid of it. I, I remember reading in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, where when a person dies, this monster comes at them. And as they react to that monster, they get reincarnated or not. If they just go, oh, well, that's just a monster, you know, who cares? Then you, you go right on into Nirvana. Whereas if you get distracted by the monster, then you get reincarnated as something X, Y, or Z. Okay. Well, I think psychologically, that's, that's the way we are. We're afraid. If we're on a journey and then all of a sudden we, get, we have this fear, 
what I think what the fear is, is that the ego is going to lose control. And when the ego loses control, man, you're in. Once the ego is, is out of the way, you're home because everything is available to you. Everything. As long as the ego is, is in control, you're not in control. You're just playing the game of yourself. So. A couple of things to go back into that before we get down to Greybeard. Sure. When you were talking about senses and picking up on like the savannah and being the same intensity as dogs, again, a lot of these people that are in the room have met me by synchronicity and some of the stories, I mean, I'm not going to pull the ball over anybody's eyes. These are just stories that I've picked up from people. One guy recently, and it was only in the last four days, popped into a room that I was discussing and he was talking about he had a cancer where they needed to cut his jugular vein and obviously six hours and on the operating table but he said after having that done and having all the medication it turned out where he lives near one of the fields and everything else he had a better sense greater than his dog for picking up when animals were coming by. I mean, we're talking, obviously, this is wildlife, uh, forestry kind of areas. And he couldn't understand it. His taste and other bits and pieces kind of took a back seat. But his sense of actually smell, because of the trauma of going through that surgery and everything else, kind of dialed him into, you know, high speed, picking up everything else. And like the dog was looking at him in a way of like, you can pick this up more than I can, which was just amazing because when we start talking there is um i have to get the right name for this they call it the taste of life or uh, yes. when you some of the monks do it and they put their tongue back now yes. sometimes that metallic yes. taste he was getting that through his now i know through medications you can also get the same kind of metallic acidy flavor without doing it so when you're having medications or you've gone through body traumas i mean it just you don't know what you're turning up and turning down as if they're like volume knobs on a hi-fi you know it's that kind of thing but when it happens people don't understand it they can either embrace it or run away from it and it's quite an amazing thing and again cosmic librarian saying the same thing which i'm thinking is that the more you look at it the unknown, the more it's going to look back at you harder. And again, Jeff yeah. Ritzman was a, a big yes. portrayer. That if you took your life out of routine and went into liminal kind of modes, the more likely you're going to see these things. So, for example, if you're going through a divorce, broke a leg, death in the family, moving house, all these kind of things can actually set you up to be more sensitive to spot things i must get I off think, rambling now and again but anyway no, toby as in greybeard right has been a long time member of our definitely on the liminal state toby did you want to say hello sure yeah no hello myron thank you paul hi um, no excellent talk by the way uh, i a lot of it resonates with me um, I, um you know with the previous uh, folks that have talked i'm not nearly as gifted with um communication by any means, but, um, I too also had a head injury uh, at a younger age, um, and suffer from seizures. And, uh, I've recently gone through a lot of, uh, medical trauma myself, uh, recently in the last three years or so, which is really, um, what I relate to is ego deaths. Like you're talking about, you know, letting go, you know, having the ego go or letting the ego go or not being in control. And, um, I was I was hit with several things in the last three years that just uh, crunched that ego straight down, uh, which which allowed me to change a lot of my thoughts, personal beliefs um, that the ego held on to so tightly for 40 years. Um, and, and it's just it's beautiful to watch, actually, even internally you know, as these things happen and these you know normally traumatizing things. But then how you can grow from them and watching the ego crush, you know, be crushed and, and devour and then being able to grow back up from that. Um, it was just been a great experience for myself. Um, I also relate to the, the, the animal remarks that you made. Um, I often tell people, I, I don't have a farm here or anything in my house, but 
I, I have always noticed that other people's animals have just always loved me. Uh, and I don't know why <laughs> it's a weird right. feeling, right. But, right. but they, they've always welcomed me. And uh, like everyone else's pet is, has always been like my step pet. <laughs> and it's uh, out in the wild. It, it, you know, people are always like, "Oh my God, our dog loves you. It doesn't love anyone." And it's it's the weirdest thing. And it's just it added, especially dogs, cats, you know, house animals. Um, you know, outdoors, uh, they don't seem to run for me either. So yeah, I've come across instances like that as well. That that, that calming feeling with the animals. So I can relate to that as well. Uh, but but uh, I'll, I'll be quiet now instead of rambling. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, what you say is is absolutely a fact. You know, and. I think sometimes when you have a brain injury, no matter what that injury is, whether it's a wound or you fall or, or whatever, um, I think that that uh, somehow the brain can be opened and and available for um, experiences, no matter how subtle they are. Um, they can be very, very, very subtle. In fact, you can almost feel them in the room with you. Uh, if you're just quiet and, and you think, yeah, yeah, I, I feel that here in the room, whatever that is. And then you're not really sure what it is, so you watch the football game. And then um, maybe, you, maybe uh, you know, you're walking down the street and, you know, you see... You, you think you see something, but you're not really sure whether it's there or not. Like in my case, I have a lot of hallucinations, so I, I, I don't fight it. I just go with it. I remember one time, um, I, my, my parents used to take me to this place that had a lot of uh, art and stuff. It was a cemetery called Forest Lawn, and they had a painting, a, a Last Supper painting. We used to go to this place. Well, I was... I was like 10 years old and, and I saw a man just cleaning up, standing you know, 15 feet away. So I went over to talk to him because he knew my name. He called me by my name. I, he said, hi, Myron. And I went over to him to talk to him. And my mother came out and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm talking to this man standing right here. And she said, there is no man standing right there. I said, mom, I'm talking to him right now and she said there is no one standing there okay so that experience you could say was an internal external dualism that's the way i kind of think about it and those kinds of of interactions with the other as i call them i don't know where they come from and I don't care. What I care about is how they treat me, how we interact. And it can happen with animals too. I was, I was, I, one day I was sitting at the mountain and I just sat down where I always sit to meditate. And sitting right next to me was a gray fox. Now he obviously didn't know I was there. And he was, what? two feet away, three feet away. So I must have been upwind or downwind or whatever that wind is. And, but he looked at me really strange, kind of like, hey, you know, we're just two guys hanging out here. No big deal, you know? And he just sat there. And he sat there for the whole time that I sat there. And then I got up, I thought, well, I better get up to leave. I didn't know if he was going to try to attack me or what, but, but, but I had a feeling that he wasn't that we were sort of pals somehow. And I got up and I just said, you know, later guys. And I walked up this little rock and climbed over the rock. And, and um, those kind of experiences, whether they're metaphysical or physical, the energy is the same. The information that's, that's broadcast from you to the animals that you walk around and touch and talk to and, and are involved with, they know who you are. Not what your persona, what your outside person is, but what your inside person is. And that is something that, that you can't lie to an animal about. They smell it. They know whether you're a threat to them or not. And we have that same intuition, but we block it. 
we block it with, you know, the way people look or how they talk or, you know, how big they are, how small they are, or how beautiful they are, how ugly they are. I mean, we block it. Whereas you, in your case, those animals, you're not blocking who you are to them. So they know who you are. And that's why they come to you. That's why they like you, because they're like you are. You know, you're the same. You're the same cosmic energy, what I call it, you know, eternal consciousness. And I just, I just blew my cover, but I actually believe in cosmic consciousness. I think, it, I think, it, I think it exists. I think it's always existed, and I think it's in me, and I think it's in every one of the people on this on this broadcast, and I think it's in everybody that walks the Earth and other planets as well. To help our research and understanding, leave Perceptions Today's podcast reviews, subscribe to the podcast, along with the other social media accounts, and share. Come join our live events. That way we can get together and have thoughtful discussions along with advancing our understanding of concepts as we go along.